0: It's branding who I am as a soldier as I transition, you know, into that uh, civilian workforce. So I land in the, uh, the right position, the right position for me, and also the right position for whichever uh, company or employer that I end up with. Monty
1: Salway, are you ready? Let's go! Hey everybody, Ryan Roten here, and this is the Brand New You Podcast, where we explore how to use personal branding and social media to impact your career. No need to look any further, you found the podcast dedicated to helping you create a brand new you. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the Brand New You Show. I'm Ryan, your host, and today we welcome to the show Lieutenant Colonel Tommy Stoner from the United States Army. Lieutenant Colonel Stoner started his military career as an enlisted soldier at the age of 17. Since that time, he has held various positions of increasing responsibility, including serving in the 82nd Airborne, the Army Rangers, and the Army Special Forces. At every level, Lieutenant Colonel Stoner has held leadership positions, including his last position as the Special Forces Battalion Commander. In this role, he was responsible for 500-plus Special Forces personnel, as well as an 1,100-person Special Operations Task Force. And after 28 years of active military service, Lieutenant Colonel Stoner is currently in transition and preparing not only for his retirement from the United States Army, but also for his transition to the civilian workforce as well. Lieutenant Colonel Stoner, it is my honor to welcome you to the Brand New You Show.
0: Uh, Thanks, Ryan, for having me. I uh, truly appreciate it. And and it's an honor for me as well, uh, as you've been a key part of my transition and listening to your podcast. So again, it's it's an absolute honor to uh, be on here with you.
1: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I do have a couple of things uh, before we get started here. First and foremost, I want to say again, thank you very much for your service. And second, may I call you Tommy for the rest of our interview?
0: Absolutely. I prefer.
1: Okay, good. All right, Tommy. So as a listener to the show, you know, the first question that's going to be asked, and I'm very interested to to hear your answer, especially since you have been to over 30 countries throughout your military career. But if you could vacation in only one place for the rest of your vacation days, where would you go?
0: You know, I'd have to say uh, kind of my my home state, honestly, or or that region, the the Rocky Mountains. I'm an outdoors guy and I love being outdoors. And I love the uh, diversity that the Rocky Mountains bring. you know, you got the winter sports, you got the summer sports. I'm an avid fly fisherman. So if there's any one place I was going to spend the rest of my life, uh, vacationing, it would be in the middle of a river or on a ski slope. So the Rockies provide that for me. Okay, so Colorado, I assume? Yeah, Colorado or Montana, I will take either.
1: <laughs> All right, well, my wife is originally from Colorado, so that is also a place where my wife and I would both love to retire someday good place. <laughs> so when you go, when you go to the Rockies and you're maybe, maybe not in the middle of the river, but when you're taking a break from your fly fishing, uh, what book are you currently reading or what book would you take with you?
2: I'll
0: tell you a team of teams by uh, general Stan McChrystal. You know, I've had the, uh, distinct pleasure to have served under him three times and uh, he's a true leader and, and he's made that transition himself trying to adapt the things that he really revolutionized in the military into the business world. So, uh, that's the book that uh, I am reading right now.
1: Okay, and that's team of teams.
0: Team of teams.
1: Okay, I have that is not one that's been uh, listed before, so I'll definitely add that to my reading list as well. So now you mentioned um, just a second ago, as we were talking about uh, General McChrystal and his transition to the civilian workforce, there are some unique challenges and perceptions that military personnel especially need to overcome as they make that transition uh, from the military life to the to the civilian workforce. And so I'm curious for you personally, what is the biggest fear and or apprehension that you have about leaving the military and heading into the civilian workforce?
0: Well, it's it's branding, and that's what really took me to your show. It's branding who I am as a soldier as I transition, you know, into that uh, civilian workforce into business. So, making sure that I brand myself appropriately, so I land in the uh, the right position, the right position for me, and also the right position for whichever uh, company or employer that I end up with. And I think that's honestly, when you get down to it, one of the biggest things that that transitioning members, whether they're getting out after their first enlistment or they're kind of mid-grade uh, non-commissioned officers or sergeants all the way up to the officers, you know, that, that that's something that I think everybody really is apprehensive about, how they're going to be perceived uh, in that workforce, because some civilians and uh, businesses have, have a perception in the military that that sometimes is a little um incorrect and uh they they immediately put that on some some of the members that are transitioning so that's a challenge that we all have to overcome and and i've heard those stories firsthand and that's something i think for me personally that i'm I'm diligently working to uh ensure that i get right
1: what are some of those say unique challenges that that you think military personnel would face as they make that transition
0: well, it's it's translating you know what they do uh, and translating their experience in a meaningful way for employers. Uh, as anybody that's been in the military or around the military, we we speak in our own distinct language. And if you haven't been in the military, you, know, you, you can go into a situation where you're, you might we might as well be speaking Greek to you. Mm. Uh, the way we use abbreviations and, and just talk to each other. So that that's a challenge. Uh, one just to even in the vocal communications, but then taking an experience, for example, my experience as a uh, special forces officer, you know, how do I translate what I did and all the things I did, my knowledge, my skills, my tributes into something that somebody was looking to hire me could, could understand. And and that, that has been a challenge uh, for myself and and most of the uh, retirees that I've talked to that have went on to second careers.
1: As you, as you're looking at your you're going through your transition process. Have you spoken with any fellow sir soldiers who may have recently retired or some that uh, maybe are going through the same process that you are, but are a little bit ahead of you and have maybe had some interviews to kind of understand what perceptions that they're hearing about that that, that you'll need to be able to overcome as
0: well? Absolutely. So talking to uh, you know both subordinate soldiers and uh, peers and, and senior soldiers to me, you know, I, I've really sought out their experiences, uh, I've talked to uh, individuals who have been out for a few years. So they're, they're kind of reflecting back over it, I'm talking to people who just got out. And also I'm talking to uh, those going through the process with me. So uh, that's been very insightful. And, and I'll tell you that that has been one of the guiding principles for laying out my pathway mm-hmm. is the information they provided me. The, the challenges for those that are really intervening now are the ones that are have been out for a little while. Those are the things I'm, I'm concentrating on the most. And, and it comes back to that branding and being able to translate what we've done. In one case, I talked to a, uh, a major in the Army who uh, was intervening for a job, and it was a, a management, a program management type job leading a uh, team. And really at the end of the interview, I told them that, Hey, one of the things that we're concerned about uh, you coming out of the military is you're told exactly how to do stuff by your superiors. You have standard uh, procedures and for everything you do, and you basically follow them. That's how you do work. And uh, for, for this individual in particular, who is just an absolutely stellar officer, you know, that, that was a tough one to take um, because as a captain – this uh this individual was was really leading a team of over 250 personnel from multiple services you know it was really a, a, a multicultural job that he was working in so not only was he doing his combat operation trying to provide security he's working with other international uh, partners out there that they're with us to help stabilize afghanistan working with afghan security forces he was also working to to do governance, so he was falling back onto his college and high school civics classes to actually help these uh, Afghans set up governance, you know, and that's everything from the actual, you know, how they're running their governance, you know, uh, their courts uh, systems, how they're doing their agriculture, you know. His, his key thing was how to get these uh watermelons and other type of melons you know to the market without spoiling so he's he's doing business and economics wow and he did this for fifteen months and uh, he wasn't being told how to do it he he was figuring out himself and and really leading a uh, very diverse team to do it so to, to sit there in an interview and and have somebody say that again it, it's no fault of the uh, interviewees it's it's really the interviewers it's it's more him being able to translate that both before he goes in that interview and then during, during that interview in a meaningful way. Um, cause really what they're going to see is hey, show me another 28 year old, uh, coming from a different background who can say that they did something like that. Right. Right. In that type of environment, you know, where people's lives were at stake, not only his, his soldiers, uh, but also those Afghans that he was working with. And, and that's a huge thing, um, that, Needs to be translated out there to the uh, business world.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because um, I just recently wrapped up—I'll uh, call it a stent as a program manager, and you know, one of the, one of the key things that you have to be able to do is coordinate activities of many different people, uh, which it sounds like this major was doing um, in spades. Uh, but I can also tell you, as a program manager, there's you know, yeah, there's a process you follow, but every decision you have to make is not written down on a piece of paper. You do actually have to think and you do actually have to uh, use your best judgment, just like the story you were telling was doing um, as a part of his daily duties. And it it just, it's, it surprises me that, that, you know, even, even interviewers can't translate his experience uh, into that job function. uh, Because to me, you know, they're both, they're both basically the same. It's just one is being done on a much larger scale.
0: Absolutely. You know, and, and there's success stories out there too. So, so it goes back to that branding and being able to, uh, to describe yourself and what you bring to that company. You know, the success story I talked to a good friend of mine just a couple of days ago and his success story was, was doing the same thing, but the right way, you know, d- directly translating what he'd done in a very similar situation as a special forces officer. I'm um, talking about him working on a multifunctional team in a multicultural capacity, uh, being able to use basically rules about processes, but figuring out when those rules don't work and being able to actually solve some complex problems. And, uh, you know, he's excelling at the job he's doing uh, right now. He got hired and, and he's doing very well and he's rapidly progressing through the ranks and because what he's demonstrating is, you know, his co- his core competencies that really the military gives most of the individuals that have served, at, at least for, you know, a certain period of time. You know, if you take out the basic enlistees, you know, doing their four years, so they get, get some great technical skills, they get some great discipline, and some of them will lead. But really, anybody who stays in past their first enlistment, regardless of what service you're in, you're going to be a leader of some sort, whether it's three people all the way up to thousands of people. And, uh, you know, that that's something, again, that it's going to be hard for other 20 year olds and up to really say they did in a lot of jobs. And and that's what almost every service member does after their first enlistment is really kind of lead and deal with people and solve problems regardless of what their technical technical function is.
1: Yeah. All, all of which are key skill sets to have when you go into the civilian workforce. I mean, that's what, that's what they look for. Um, and if you can, Easily take and, and translate your military experience and show them how you can use that to solve the problems that the company is trying to solve. To me, that's a win win for everybody.
0: Absolutely.
1: What, if any, assistance from the military do you receive with your transition? Do they help you in any way? Do they give you give you access to courses, books,
0: that type of thing? They absolutely do. So the service has always had a transition program, and it's only gotten better as uh, really, I think, the nation and, and the military and Congress and, and have recognized what service members have done. And, and they put a lot of effort into it. I mean, you're, you're not going to find a transition program better anywhere in the world. It, is that I mean there's, there's no room to grow? Absolutely not. But I'll tell you, they do a, a really good job. The program writ large is known as the transition assistance programs. It's TAP and each service has their own spin on it. So there's some mandated, congressionally mandated. So it's in law, uh, things that have to happen and it's a mandatory five day program. But that's the baseline. There's a lot more for that. So for the Army, it's called Soldier for Life. It used to be known as the Army Career and Alumni Program. So there's that basic five-day program they give you. And they obviously talk about all the benefits you're going to get as a uh, retiree or transitioning service member. But then they help you with both uh, branding yourself. So they do resume classes. They also work on the social media aspect of it, LinkedIn profiles, etc. And then there's a coaching and and mentoring program that they also get you into. Additionally, what they do is they look at uh, trying to cross over some credentialing from the jobs you're doing in the military. And and in the Army right now, I think there's about 94 credentialing opportunities uh, to take what service members have done and actually get them civilian credentials. And they're working pretty diligently to, to increase that because in the past, You could do a lot of stuff in the military, and you could be well ahead of your uh, peers in the civilian world, but you didn't have that credential to say, hey, you're certified to do it. And, And that was something the military recognized, and it's working hard to uh, fix.
1: In addition to this class, you had mentioned earlier that you're also working, you know, talking to people and preparing yourself outside of this class. So what are are some things that you're doing that you would recommend uh, to other people, other military personnel in your situation to do to help prepare themselves outside of this five-day class? Yeah, so definitely
0: that networking, talking to the peers out there that have went through the process, uh, like we talked about, And then really put your uh, nose on the books and and read. And there's a ton of books out there on military transitions and some are better than others, but uh, also discuss those books with people and talk about those experiences that you read in those books with, with others out there. And you can do that via blogs and and some other social media mechanisms. Um, A big focus on resumes is what I've been putting out there, working on that branding and, and translating what I've been doing. And also, working on the job search and, and mentoring program. So I've enrolled myself in a couple of mentoring programs that are out there um, so that I can help with refining that my job search abilities, uh, both in my resume, my interviewing and networking out there. Again, so the output of all this is kind of a new brand, Tommy Stoner, you know, that is a little bit different from what I was as a soldier. So I can put it out there to the civilian workforce and start my next career.
1: What is the interview process like when you're in, still on active duty? I mean, they they know you're going to retire. Um, this is probably a silly question, but are you free to schedule interviews with companies and and go when you need to? Uh, you know, because like when you're in the civilian workforce, if you're trying to get a job at another company, you, you don't want to go tell your boss that you're going to interview. <laughs> so, I'm. It, it sounds like it's pretty. They're pretty open, and it's it's okay to do those types of things. Is that kind of how it works?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it. it <laughs> In the military, we're we're probably the one organization out there where uh, it's known and and you're actively encouraged to actually do that, uh, frankly. So you can definitely interview and start your job process once it's determined that, hey, you're going to be getting out. Uh, Obviously, if if it's just a phone interview or anything like that, you can do it. If it's travel, then you can take leave. Uh, to go do those things. Th- there are some legal requirements out there, depending on what you were doing in the job, and, and it's to prevent uh, ethical uh, conflicts and uh, some legal conflicts out there. But generally, uh, the military is very supportive of service members actually going out there and trying to find a job while they're still on active duty. So supportive, in fact, they set up a uh, significant number of job conferences to to actually do that as part of the duty day. And uh, that's the importance that they're putting on to make sure our soldiers, you know, and sailors and airmen land right once they come out of the service.
1: Coming up, Tommy and I continue our discussion. But first, a word from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by TalentPoolMe.com. Launching this month, TalentPoolMe is bringing social recruiting to the university level. Now, we know that TalentPoolMe.com benefits talent. How does talent get involved? Turns out it's pretty simple, as co-founder Taylor Neiman explains.
2: Go to talentpoolme.com and you just log in as a user, as with any other online platform.
1: Other platforms limit what you can and can't see when you're inside. So I wondered, what's talentpoolme.com like?
2: It's completely open and we thought that transparency was very important, especially for younger people who are just getting started and really are intimidated already. This is the first time they've even thought about brands, not in their consumer form, but in their employer form. It's such a great relationship builder.
0: Even
1: with an open platform, I wondered, what is the benefit for talent? Get involved with talentpoolme.com.
2: These students really don't have tons of things to put on the resume by senior year. So by being able to show like what projects they're working on for school and for the employer to be able to see what projects those people are working on, it's really allowing both sides to kind of come together.
1: Talentpoolme.com, helping job seekers build their networks before they need it. Check out talentpoolme.com to learn more. And now, back to the show. How much time or thought have you given personally to the type of work that you would like to do once you've officially retired?
0: A substantial amount, you know. A couple of years ago was more conceptual than anything, but as as the time gets closer, we're we're really narrowing it down, and uh, the, really the types of work. Looking at my knowledge and skills and attributes, is, is probably more in, in some sort of leadership, management, or training role. You know, that, that's really what I see for myself and. Really, for me, the challenge is honestly narrowing that down to the type of business or industry that I, that I want to go into. I have a love of the outdoors, you know, so if I could say there would be a dream job out there, it would be doing something in that realm in the outdoor field, whether it's you know working in some sort of company that manages resorts uh, such as ski resorts or something like that or maybe an industry that, that is working on uh, sports and outdoor-related materials.
1: Are you mentally prepared, say, for example, to go from a leadership position? Because I know this is, and this really is a mental adjustment uh, because I've gone through it myself. But, you you know, your last position was the, as the battalion commander where you were responsible for a lot of people and a lot of things. What are you doing to help mentally prepare yourself or are you mentally prepared, you think, to take a position with a company where you might have to go all the way back to being just an individual contributor?
0: Absolutely. And the one thing about the military, particularly in the uh, officer corps, is uh, you're never, you know, a commander or a uh, per se leader or supervisor all the time. I mean, you're always a leader because of your your rank. But, uh, you know, in terms of being in that direct supervisor capacity with people under you, you bounce back and forth. So anytime you're doing that command or designate a leader position, your probably next position after that is, either a leader of a very small team or an individual as part of the team. So I, I'm absolutely prepared for that, as are most of the officers coming out, again, just because of the way we flow back and forth. Uh, before I took command of my battalion, I, I was a singleton working on a project, you know, under uh, kind of a team of teams, if you would. So uh, I, I've flown through this process before and, and absolutely willing to do it again. And as I think most, most people are, you might meet a few people that, Might not like it rolling back from, uh, you know, kind of the prestige of the position they had in the military. But I I think writ large, people understand that you have to kind of earn your place. And and I think most people are really ready to start at the bottom and demonstrate what they can provide and go from there.
1: Yeah, I think that's an important point for everybody who's listening to not just not just those in the military. But, you know, we all have we all have to start somewhere. And it can be difficult for some people to go from a position of leadership to a position as an individual contributor. But if you're willing to put in the time, the effort and the work to prove yourself, you can make it back to that position or, you know, where you were equal to where you were before or higher, just as long as you're willing to put in the time and the effort.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a friend of mine got a job as a project manager and he started out just as an individual contributor on a team. And, you know, within a year, he was a um, Project manager leading actually a couple of teams, so you know he went in, demonstrated his worth and value, and uh, moved up the up the ranks there. And you know both in terms of position and pay. And there was a study that just got released uh, just recently and was published in some of the military papers that that some veterans do have expectations that potentially could be too high. So it's we got to make sure that we're grounded on on you know our capabilities and where we're likely to enter and. And just understand that if we truly demonstrate those characteristics that, that we espouse, that you know we're going to move pretty quickly, I think, through the civilian ranks.
1: And you've been in the military for 28 years. What do you think will be the one thing that will be the hardest for you to adjust to?
0: I think there's going to be a lot of things, but you know the the biggest thing for me is uh, just being part of an organization uh, that I've seen people be very selfless, particularly over the last. 13 years that we've been at war, 13, 14 years, you know, I've watched uh, a lot of fine young men and women just be absolutely selfless to the point of giving their lives. And uh, you know, there's not many organizations out there that people are that dedicated to at least the ideals uh, of what an organization is doing. So stepping away from something like that is going to be the hardest for me.
1: As you were, as we were talking earlier about translating uh, military skills, if you will, to the civilian equivalents, I always tell people when I, when I work with them, if you're making a big transition, especially if somebody wants to make, even in the civilian world, if they're going to make a big career change, say from operations to, to the business side, it oftentimes requires that you take a look inside not externally and say, I want this job or I want this title, but let's take a look inside at me and figure out my skills and my traits and kind of where I'm at, because that helps us to better align who we are with what we do. And so I'm curious, as a part of your transition or part of the five-day class that you get, do you take any types of assessments to help you understand skills and traits that are kind of core to you and who
0: you are? Yeah, so they, they talk about that during the transition and, and strongly encourage it. And, and there are assessments out there that, that they have that you can take. And I think it's absolutely important, you hit it on the head, Ryan, that that you do do that. The military has one program out there, and the, at least the Army does. And we have to take a 360 assessment okay. in, you know, every every year. So we do that, and that's that's a great tool for us in the military. So walking away from my last assessment, I had that in hand, and, and the next one I did was the StrengthsFinder 2.0 assessment, and uh, what I found was is that that's a great way to help translate who you are, and when I took that StrengthsFinder 2.0, what I found was the results married up pretty well with what I had done in the military in terms of the assessment, mm-hmm. but it was better translated for the civilian business side. So. You know, I've taken a couple of others since then, and they all they all kind of align. So I, I definitely know, I think where I I fall out. But again, it's really helped me translate. Hey, here's here's what I can deliver to an organization uh, in the civilian world. And uh, I, I strongly encourage uh, anyone listening to this podcast to do that. To step away from those military assessments and and start doing some civilian ones. Not just one. Go out there and find a couple and do them and, and compare those results.
1: Yeah. I think it's interesting. I, I've, there's, there's three that I recommend um, people take strength finders. One of them. Uh, then there's another one called standout and a third one called the fascination advantage. And what was interesting to me about it, um, because I I went through a transition myself about five years ago and I needed the assessments to help me kind of understand, you know, who I am and where I wanted to go next and what I was really aligned to do next. And so I took the three assessments and what I found was if, if you put, you know, if you put all the information from each assessment into three separate circles, If ever if you know what a Venn diagram is, the overlap between them, that you know, that you put them all together and they kinda overlap and there's like a sweet spot in the center where motherhood and apple pie (laughs) and Yeah, and, yeah. And for me, all three of those circles could have just been one big circle because they were all so closely related. And what was interesting about it to me was the first one I took made me go, huh, okay. I can see that and it started to you know make me think back to my career and what I had done and where I was aligned with what I was seeing in the strengths finder. And so I said, well, let me take a second one just to just to see. And so I took the second one and it was like almost exactly the same thing. I was like, "Holy cow, this is really telling me something." So by the time I took the third one, I had a really good feeling and understanding of, you know, who I am as an as an individual, what makes me tick, and what types of jobs I should go pursue. And so I'm glad to hear that you say that you've taken that one because I really believe that when you're making a big transition like this, you really need to look at your skills and your traits and those types of assessments. Uh, can really help pull that out of you a lot better than a lot of other ways or methods that I've seen as well. Absolutely.
0: And since you, you're really being introspective uh, with yourself, you know that that's really what it's about when you're going out and finding a job. And reading a lot of the statistics and also talking to a lot of the uh, veterans who have gotten out, you know, a lot of them jump jobs because they just haven't found that job that, uh, you know, fits them. And so I think finding that job takes you being introspective, seeing what your strengths are, your strengths, not related to the military, but your personal strengths and, and really what you want to do. And, and those, those assessments really pull that out of you, I think better than uh, some other methods do.
1: My advice to most people would be don't focus on a title or a position until you understand yourself first. Absolutely. Because focusing on that title or position, will end up, you'll end up taking something or trying to get a position that you may find very quickly you, you, you don't like and you're just not made to do. And that's okay, but it's better if you can go into it knowing, hey, this is going to help me align exactly who I am with what I want to do for a living.
2: Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know, the the funniest thing is I think every uh veteran that comes out, there was probably an officer or senior NCO, you ask them what they're probably suited for, and they tell you management right away. And it's kind of like, well, what does that really mean? <laughs> so, you know, there's so much out there. It's so diverse. And you know, I think you really just gotta look inside yourself uh what you want to do and then, then your attributes and your knowledge base and uh then actually then start looking out into the world and looking at jobs and and I've been very surprised once I took that approach to it at how many things opened up to me whereas if I just stayed with that title of management what I would have been looking at so I definitely encourage people to do that
1: mentioned before, you're listening to podcasts, you're reading different books, you're talking to people who've been through the process and you're doing this well in advance of your retirement date, which means that by the time that date gets there, you are going to be very well prepared. You know that date comes a lot sooner than what than what they think it's going to come. So, people who maybe wait to the last minute or just go through only that five day plan, they may find themselves um, stuck at the end. I would recommend people actually get in touch with you <laughs> and find out what your process is and what some of the you know the way you're going through the process to help prepare yourself.
0: Absolutely, you know, and and we'll put out my uh, contact info here a little bit later. But but I absolutely encourage it. And uh, once you start understanding, you know, a little bit better, more about yourself and then the business world, you'll you'll start to be able to talk about it a little bit better. And that point, you can kind of expand your network from the veterans who've got out to reaching out to other people, uh, much like I did to you and. And some of the others uh, via LinkedIn, for example, and be able to talk to them in a lot more holistic manner than you would if you just, like you said, took a pretty quick, short approach to things. And ultimately, that's going to help you out in the long run.
1: Right. I mentioned podcasts is one of the ways you're preparing yourself. Have you heard of a podcast called Life After
0: Military Service? I have not, but uh, I'll definitely be adding that one to the list.
1: Yeah, so I just just came across this this past week. It's by uh, Michael Ragland, and he interviews people who were seasoned military veterans who have made the leap and are now working successful jobs in the civilian workforce. Michael has no idea that I listened to his podcast, (laughs) but um, I would recommend it uh, to those of you, especially in the military who are starting to think about what you're going to do next. Check it out.
0: Absolutely. I mean, and listening to stories like that and reading about them are are very encouraging because I think a lot of people probably put themselves into a box. Hey, I did X, so therefore I have to do X. And when you really, again, look at what other people have done or, or you look at yourself and see what skills you have you know, you can really see that you can really put yourself out there and do almost anything you want to. You just have to put the effort out there to do it. And and that effort is one, this branding process of who you are. And that branding process is that translation. It's also you going out potentially to get some new credentialing to, to kind of round yourself out, whether it's getting a, an MBA or maybe a project management certification or something else, some sort of human resource certification. There, there's a lot that that veterans, uh, individuals who are getting ready to retire or just come off active duty can do in advance of, of that point of separation to, to prepare themselves and, and move out into some pretty spectacular second careers out there.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think too many people look at what they do now and they forget that they don't have to do that the rest of their life. I'm actually looking at I have a poster in the room where we're, I'm doing this podcast and the poster says, you are more than what you do. Your title should not confine you and your job does not define you. I keep that in this area as a reminder that I can be who I want to be. I just have to remember that I'm more than a title and I'm more than than what I do today. And just because I did something for the last 20 years does not mean I have to do the same thing for the next 20, but it does mean that I need to put the time, effort, and energy into preparing to make that transition just like you're doing today. Absolutely. So, Tommy, let's go ahead and wrap this up. For the listeners who would like to get in touch to, with you, especially anyone in the military who may be nearing retirement, would like to network with you and understand the preparations that you're making, what is the best way for those listeners to get in touch with you?
0: Yeah, so there's really two ways right now. Um, one is via my email. It's stoner at gmail.com. And the other one is uh, via LinkedIn. So I'm Tommy Stoner uh, on LinkedIn.
1: Do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom, tips that you'd like to pass on to anyone that's listening today?
0: Yeah, so I'd say uh, stay strong during the process. It can be a little intimidating as you go through it. You know, it's it's interesting, you know, to have guys that have been to combat six or seven times, won valor awards, and, and probably the most uh, anxious they get as they approach their separation point. And, that, and that's interesting. But, you know, you don't have to go through it alone. There, there's a ton of resources out there. And really, it's a phone call away, you know, just to pick up and talk to those people that blazed the way before you have. I would say make sure you start early. Um, really, a lot of people don't start until they're inside the one-year mark, and some as short as six months, and that's that's honestly too late. So you really should look at two years out if you're a retiree. If you're separating, um, you know, once you make that determination that uh, you're, you're going to move on from the military, it needs to start immediately or as soon as you actually start conceptualizing that thought process. Um, but definitely for retirees, about two years out, earlier if possible, and really start using that time just to uh, start rebranding yourself, how you're going to do it, and, and if necessary, get those additional certifications or credentialing out of the way. So when you step out of that uniform, which every single person will do, it doesn't matter if you're a private or a four-star general, it's going to happen. Uh, but when you step out of that uniform, you're ready for that transition, and you can walk the walk and talk the talk.
1: All right, Tommy, I wish you the best of luck with your transition. And you know already that if there's anything I can do to help you make that a successful one, you know that I will. You've got, you've got all my contact information. And once again, thank you very much for your service and for being on the podcast today.
0: Absolutely, Ryan. I appreciate the opportunity to come on here and uh, talk, talk about my transition because ultimately it's going to help others. And, and really, that's what it's about.
1: Transition and change. Two of the hardest things for us to do in our lives. Change is difficult, but it is especially true for those transitioning from the military. Today's show is releasing right before Memorial Day weekend in the United States. While today we talked about those who are thankfully still with us, let's not forget what Memorial Day is really all about. And I'll give you a hint, it's not about TV sales, beer, and barbecue although many of us will probably participate in one or more of those activities over the weekend. Memorial Day is about remembering those who have died during active military service. Those selfless individuals Tommy referred to who gave their lives so that we can continue to live our own in freedom. We owe it to them to live life to its fullest, to not be stuck in jobs we hate or limit ourselves to a job title. Tommy, once again, thank you for your service and for sharing your time and wisdom with us. You've given all the brand new you listeners, military and civilian, foreign or domestic, a lot to think about and consider as we craft our brands and develop our futures. You can find all the links to the resources Tommy and I discussed at RyanRoten.com forward slash Tommy. So for those of you listening in the United States, as you gather with friends and family this Memorial Day weekend, take a minute to raise a glass or take a moment to remember those selfless men and women who paid the ultimate sacrifice. It's because of them that we have the opportunity to continue to pursue our hopes and our dreams. So until next time, I've been Ryan, and I'm out. The brand new U show is produced and edited by Ryan Roper. The ad music is by Marcus Brestler Music. The intro and outro music is Pulse by SoundRoad.